Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and I used to get the gin blossoms and the spin doctors confused. I'm Tommy Rico, and I used to get Conquistador number one and Conquistador number two confused. I'm Julie Harrison Harney, and I'm a proud dyslexic who, when called upon to read aloud in middle school biology class, did not correctly pronounce the word organism. <laughs> well, we'll try to figure out what you said instead, as long as it takes. But in the meantime, I think some of us used to get the fiend and Uncle Howdy confused. But turns out, they're different, we think, as we delve into the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. You know what's interesting about this, Julie, and I just want to leave this off, is that maybe it had evolved by the time you got there, although I think he was SmackDown, maybe not. The funny thing is, there were many conversations similar to the ones that we have as fans now in the writer's room that were nearly as confusing and confused regarding Bray Wyatt and The Fiend. I think Aaron Blitzstein had the best hold on it. But beyond that, we were all just, and even he sometimes, we were all just kind of like, maybe it's this. Maybe this is what it is. And uh, that was, I just thought that was interesting. That even working there, it was like, we we think this is going to be the thing. But I don't know what you think. But um, at that point, he was on, we were so separated when I got there. SmackDown was really not talking to raw about anything that was going on at the other brand. I think it had to do with the fact that SmackDown went to Fox when I first started. Yeah. And so there was just this separation between like SmackDown's on Fox. They do their thing. I'm sure there are other reasons from what I understand. There have been cycles of this consistently where there was in, you know, very entrenched, don't talk to the other brand. And then really? other times where it was very collaborative and people worked on both shows. Let me ask you this. Did that change at all when Paul Heyman left? Were you there when he, you were there when he left, right? When he was no longer creative director. Yes. yes. Did that thaw things out a little bit? It did. I, yeah. 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 Cause that's a Paul Heyman. I don't, and I don't think it's because of Paul. I just think Bruce was then overseeing both shows. And so naturally you just started sharing information. Right. And anything you didn't get, you'd just listen to his podcast on Fridays. <laughs> oh, I almost got Julie to do a spit take. I tried to. <laughs> ah, the time the time was a botch. That was a spit take botch <laughs> right there. That was that was like Brock Lesnar doing the uh, Tommy. What's the name of that? What was a what, what, what WrestleMania did he do? Go up on the top rope against Kurt Angle. Was that 19? Oh, I forget the number WrestleMania, but that was his that was the moonsault, which he yeah. had done in developmental and had never done on the main roster and decided to bust out during a WrestleMania match and then landed on the top of his head and almost broke his neck. 
I that was my equivalent of that. It was pretty much the same as what Brock Lesnar did at WrestleMania 19. <laughs> I went for a spit. I'm not a big spit take guy, and I went for it. I went for it anyway. Um, Guys, but- I almost did a spit take when uh, Sami Zayn and uh, Paul Heyman wished each other uh, happy Ramadan and happy, happy Hanukkah. <laughs> that was that great. Was- that was great. I still was that on I SmackDown. Still, I didn't see yes. that. That was SmackDown. Okay. Yep. Yes. We Julie again is a loyalist to Raw still, so she's still very set in her ways. You know what? I think that Julie is actually. Uh, how do we know you're not like secretly still true? <laughs> not ruling it out. <laughs> how do we know? You know what's interesting is that Julie just had a pencil in her hand, and the fact that that it, I could picture Vince going mm. like you would sometimes say an idea like that. Like maybe Julie's Uncle Howdy, and he would take the pencil out, and you're like, "Oh no." Um, as I used to, as I used to always, and maybe will again someday teach students. I'd say, uh, if you pitch it anywhere, they might do it. And so I think that uh, when it comes to the, I just have to tell you a quick story when it before we go any further. Julie, you brought up SmackDown going to Fox, and. I remember that day. I was there that day of the first episode. And were you? Ev- everyone had to come in and we all had to dress like we were on the road. So everyone wore suits and everything. And I'd never forget that I think it was Ed. Was it Ed leading the meeting? Yeah, it must have been. Said, uh, welcome everyone to this episode of uh, SmackDown Live, the first ever on the Fox Network. And everyone in unison with like with knowing, I guess in their heads, knowing. Everyone stood up and clapped right away. And it reminded me of one of those clips from North Korea when Kim Jong-un says something and everyone in the same kind of suit stands up and claps. And uh, there were, Wait, I, this was just in the writer's room. This wasn't in front of Vince, right? No, this was a production meeting. Vince was there and everything. Oh, oh, it was when you were when the when you had the TV on yes, you when you yes, were. Yes, we, we were in Stanford. Writer. They were in Los Angeles. And, um, that's right. And, that's right. No, Vince was like checking to make sure he had his mu- uh, mustard and ketchup with the steak. Um, do you remember do that? Do you remember those cameras in the room where yeah. when you're in, in and it would follow you wherever you went. And if there was one yeah. movement, the camera would like, <laughs> yeah, go Brad, over to the chair that moved. Brad would always sit in the back row all the way in the corner. And he would like, he was like tied to that chair. Like, I think he went out and got like, like uh, electric chair buckles just to make sure he would not move because <laughs> he was never on camera. But Vince would always go like every time he'd go, Brad, you're in the corner, right? And he'd go, yeah. And he'd mumble something. I swear every time it was he was telling someone have Brad sit somewhere else and then he would just not remember it. But um, and then also he'd have this we would. Yeah, Vince would be right there on camera because they'd always have a camera right on Vince. And you would see the plate land, followed by the ketchup, followed by the mustard. And you know what's interesting? I never actually saw him use the ketchup and mustard. And sometimes I wonder if they were, as he would say, preconditioned to believe that he was a ketchup and mustard on steak guy. Yeah, that actually surprised me. Not to go further down on the tangent of what Vince McMahon eats. I think, so I didn't do very many in the room camera. I only did a few of those. And so I don't think I ever got that cool up close video of the people at that front table. I was always far away with all of the producers. The only thing that I remember is the purple drink that I remember. Yes. vividly. Do you remember the with ice? A lot the, of ice with a yes. lot of ice. All the cups of ice, the various ice oh. cups. 
He had, and it was like he was taking. It was like Mary Poppins or something. He was taking cups of ice out of nowhere, and he was. I don't. What was he doing with that? It never melted. The ice never. <laughs> what was he doing though? Like it was like he had this idea that if his drink had been chilled for less than thirty seconds, it immediately needed a new cup of ice. Do you remember that? He was like a guy at Coney Island playing ice cups or something while he was like, well, but you were pitching him things instead of vice versa. Maybe the ketchup was for his purple mystery drink. That's true. Oh, that's a good point. Do you think maybe he had like a blue substance somewhere else and he would mix that and the like, maybe he had some blue chew and some ketchup and that made the purple mix. I don't know. A little too close to home. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> so Uncle Howdy, uh, again, uh, got another thumbs up from five-year-old, five-and-a-half-year-old Sadie. She oh, liked okay. it. Ta- yeah. Tommy, what did, uh, what did uh, Zoe think of it this time around? How, remind, how, how old is Lorenzo? Lorenzo was nine. Uh, what do you think? We watched it today, actually. So we, we had to catch up to some wrestling today, and we watched it today. I think we were both kind of agnostic on it. We, we didn't hate it. We didn't love it. It was just kind of there. Um, I think the problem with uncle Howdy being a real flesh and blood person coming to the ring is the fact that, that all the mystique goes out of it. So he's just another guy in a mask and not even the mask that uncle Howdy wears in the backstage vignettes, but a weird like half mask. Um, I do think that it may not be uh, Bo Dallas at this point. Uh, they're both. So Bray and Uncle Howdy are both the same height, basically. Uh, but there are rumors that there are other people in that suit. I don't know. But I, I don't know that I care yet. I'm not there. It's, it was a very weird segment. Um, and it, it's as you're describing it, Tommy. This is not a good comparison, but it's giving me retribution vibes as you describe it. And saying that maybe the person's changing each week. Maybe we don't know who's under there. It's giving me a little bit of retribution vibes where I'm like, do they know where they're going with this? I hope they do. Yeah. I really the th- do. The thing is, is that the upside is way higher, but the downfall is way lower in this case, because there's so much riding on Bray. Bray was their biggest reacquisition, really. And it, uh, it's weird. They didn't fix any of the technical Wait, problems. Hold, hold on with- a second. Are you meaning to disrespect Emma right now, Tom? Okay. Emma seems nice. She um, does seem she does seem nice. Yeah. But what does Bruce say about nice people in the wrestling business? <laughs> but said at it any to my, rate, said it to my fi- face. Yeah. They didn't fix any of the, was, issue, wasn't the technical issues with Uncle Howdy coming to the ring. It's still that weird backlit over smoke machined thing. So it's just, it's it's goofy. And he attacked oh. Bray. He attacked Bray, which Did you see I, that coming? Did you see that coming? I didn't, but I don't know that I care. Like I, I, at the end of the segment, I, j- I felt nothing. I was just oh like, my gosh. okay, that's a, that's a segment. So I'm dealing with someone who's agnostic and another person who refuses to watch the, the most compelling segment simply because it's not on her branded show. That's Except so for the weird fact that Monday night raw is a mostly recap show that showed it. <laughs> yeah, that's In right. It was on raw. Like, hey, wait a second, Julie, you don't have any excuses here. What did you watch the Hulu version? Actually, I did. Ah, busted. Just like in the old days. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, it was all over because, well, we'll get to why they showed it on Raw because it's now it's an interbrand storyline or so it seems. But 
Uh, well, first of all, who do you do you have any speculation, Tommy, on who Uncle Howdy might be? I really don't know. This is kind of fun, like a kid. Like I'm just like, hmm, I don't have any inkling. The name really. escapes me, but there was a former NXT wrestler that wasn't contracted currently that they think may have come back. Oh, um, Vincent, is it that guy? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So that was the. But it's. I mean, it still could be Bo. It's still really kind of you know up in the air. All I know is that. They're about the same height. Bray and Uncle Howdy are about the same height. Um, Whoever minus doing the, so- the stovepipe hat, <laughs> which he took off. He doffed his cap and put it on the ringside. How cool would it be if he took the hat off and then he melted into a puddle? And they went, <laughs> oh, "Oh my god, it's frosty! It's frosty!" And that's how we got out of the storyline. Now that Rob- would be production value. Hey, Rob Fee, he and I had a little back and forth on Twitter. Take that idea, Rob. I owe you guys ideas. Um, Did no, you really? I- Yes, I tweeted out that I thought it was good, and he responded. He he was happy. I mean, like, you know what? Oh, it Here's wasn't what a fight. Like, no, I thought it was a. No. Good, I liked it. I liked the segment. <laughs> Is it so I was, bad that I immediately thought it was a feud? <laughs> I'm not going to go near that. Right <laughs> <I'm so> <laughs> <laughs> Wrestling wise, I don't have any problems with anybody right now. In general, we'll we'll just let things hang. But I will just say that. No, I was surprised by it. It had it. It hit me in the same way because I I was watching it like I said with the Target demo. My daughter, who's a five going on six year old, who's super in. They are all into really creepy things. Tommy and I were talking about this. They're all into like scary stuff, like supernatural, superhero, that kind of stuff. This is who this is for. And I had that moment where a couple weeks ago, on the epiphany on this podcast, where I said, I don't think this is for us. <laughs> like I was like, wait, Danhausen stuff. That's for us. This is, this is for the children. Um, and I had that moment like in the ring where the girl climbs out of the TV when Uncle Howdy actually showed up and started walking in the ring. I was like, oh, different kind of ring. Hey, connective tissue. Uh, but I was just like, oh, this is a real person who's going to show up. And then when he struck Bray, so there was no confusion over, is this someone? Because first of all, the storylines where we see something that someone's imagining, that is horseshit. I'm I'm sorry, but just the optical illusion. I never, I'm just going to say, I never loved the Undertaker, Randy Orton stuff. To me, that was always, oh, this is a movie. This is a TV show. And I know the thing is like, we make movies and I'm like, but your sports entertainment, that's just entertainment, entertainment. Where's the, where's the reality of this? That makes me feel like I'm at the live show. You know what should have ended that that style of like the you know is it in the the wrestler's mind or is it real? Uh, Ultimate Warrior yes. being in Hulk Hogan's mirror. Yes, I was just thinking that was exactly in my brain. That, that should have so killed creepy. it right there. That was enough. It was a very very silly segment. I feel like I heard somewhere that the Warrior said, "I don't think this is going to work." Like, wasn't he the one out of the three? Of the, it was Bischoff, Hogan, and the Warrior. And the Warrior was like, "What am I doing?" Which is your first sign. That and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Dana. I think it was Warrior's pitch, but again, I'm I've, I'm not a hundred percent positive. Really? I think Warrior was really in on it, and maybe Hogan and Bischoff were like, I don't know about this. Let's well, anyway. <laughs> Hogan's whole cell job in that thing was just goofy as hell. Because that was late '98, right? That was all going yeah. on. God, so can you imagine that in late '98 you have The Rock coming into his own? Stone Cold's running WWE, Undertaker's turning into the ministry, and then meanwhile you have mirror tricks <laughs> over on WCW. 
You ever Mirror watch Tricks the, and the Ultimate Warrior hijacking the entire first segment of his show for like an hour with a promo that I think is still going on. My goodness, that was a mess. Yeah, but at that point, did you have was there much better to throw on TV? No, that was kind of what they did. They, but I'm they just always saying, ran super long, dumb segments up front. No, Ultimate Warrior is not on anymore. Ultimate Warrior in that moment was going on stage first, looking at all the other comics that were supposed to fill 15 minutes, and saying, "Yeah, I better go 25." Yep, I've been in that. Uh, rest in peace, Carolines, New York. That's what always happened to me there. I'd always go on first because I had to work the next day, but then I'd look and I go, oh. and "They'd go to me. Can you do like 30?" Yeah. Because that's how you want to structure a show. Have someone go really long first <laughs> on a weeknight. But um, I, but that brings me back to the end. They started SmackDown with this. Here's my thing with this. Is that it was a seg one. They started the show with it. Uncle Howdy came out. There he is. There was physicality that was swerved. So it caught everything about it was interesting and unique. I thought LA Knight was fantastic in the way he sold and reacted to it. And I'm interested now. And it's just, I know people can say, well, this is what they should have done three weeks ago. Or uh, I'm like, well, it's done. They did the thing you wanted. And that was what I said on Twitter. I was like, what are you complaining about? This is exactly what you wanted. And people are like, yeah, it's still going slow. And I was like, slow. You open the show. They open the show with it. Stuff happened. <sighs> Even the people like WrestleMania and everything were like another painfully slow. Bray Wyatt. I'm like, oh God, guys. Well, it's you know they, Some, did the full, they did the full intro and it, well, I mean, let's, let's face it. It was almost the entire first 30 minutes of SmackDown. It was not the first 30 minutes. It, it went over 20. Yeah. It's one fourth of the show. <laughs> it was long, but I, I want to say something that has nothing to do with the production. Uh, WWE crowds lately have sucked. And that's one problem that they're having with the LA Knight versus Bray Wyatt. LA Knight is great, but the crowd is, I don't know whether they're waiting for like Stone Cold or so. I don't know what they want, but they're wanting him, which WWE crowds, like if you want to pay exorbitant tickets to just say what, just shout it out your window. I mean, come on, stop wasting people's money and time. And, and they're making the productions awful. The crowd in Nashville last night was brutal to the point where, Bianca Belair barely got a hero's welcome in her state where she competed in school for the Tennessee Volunteers. It's like she should be massively over. And they were just like, oh, yay, she's from here. Like, don't go. I mean, what are you spending your money and going to be miserable? And you can see it in the in the wide shots. The crowds are just there. They're almost acting like like uh, like on a movie set, like the the cardboard cutout crowds where they're piping in but they're not even piping in sound effects it's just these dead crowds and that's really hurting the the bray la night stuff la night plays really well with the what's but the what i mean why are we still doing what in 2022 why stone cold doesn't even do what <laughs> no here's my question should monday night raw and wwe's uh, friday night smackdown have a warm-up guy. Do they have a warm-up guy like talk shows? Someone <laughs> so that comes at him? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I remember at, when I went to the show at the Barclays Center and I saw Raw, I would say Shelton Benjamin and, and Truth, the main event, felt like a warm-up. 
Because Truth was doing some really funny stuff and having a really good time and hyping up the crowd. Like we were ready to go. Because as soon as soon as Truth left and the show started, Sami Zayn came out. We were hyped. And it is what it is. But the moment Riddle's music hit, we just went flat and the show never recovered after that. Like there was a little bit when Seth came out and people got excited and they started singing his music. There's something about Seth that, that got the crowd excited. That Brock was a surprise, which got people pumped. But the moment, and I'm not saying it's Riddle's fault. I'm just saying the show completely lost its momentum when Riddle's music hit. And everything that Truth and Sami Zayn had done, we were just like, eh, okay. Well, he ha- Riddle has such a slow pace to him. Yeah. And when yeah. I think of when Rob was at its heyday, it was, you know, two things. First of all, you had a, whoever was coming out, superstar, male, female, whatever, uh, would, there was always someone that was calling someone out, someone that had a reason to be pissed. And so you were like, uh oh, we were like, oh, this is a, you know, this is the shoe dropping. That's the first thing. Not, and not just a, well, you know, Julie, 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 I'm opening this episode of, you know, like they do now. There's sort of a Steve Martin, Martin Short cadence to some of the, the especially the Monday Night Raw opens. And I love those guys in their world. It doesn't work in this world. It's this very like, it's the beginning of the show sort of thing. And no, there's got to be like, give me a mic and I want to talk. Like, that's the first thing they had. And the second thing is, if you look at who would start those shows, it was typically Stone Cold, The Rock or Mankind. And they all have, and they rarely started a show with The Undertaker, as I recall, in the late 90s with The Ministry. They rarely started a show with Triple H or DX because both those characters, even though they were very different, their entrances were kind of slow paced. They took their time and involved the Titantron video and involved the effects. It was the glass breaks or if you smell or the and or even Kane, big blow up and he'd come down to the ring with Paul. Or if you wanted heat up front, it was Vince. Yes. And he'd come out and. That was, but he's a guy who could take his time because man, that was real. Like it was like, that's Vince McMahon. And so, but it was always someone, yeah, you're right. Vince did open most of those shows, but he looked, but he was mad. He was either mad or he looked really cocky and you're like, oh, what's he going to say? And you knew someone else was going to come out and you, and you knew who it might be. So you got excited and yeah, it does feel like, I don't know if it's a Monday night football thing or, or, or if it's just like the NBA sometimes they're against or like viewing habits or whatever, it does kind of feel like they sort of kind of soft open compared to the beginning. We are pointing out a production problem, by the way, is that everybody we just mentioned within the first two or three notes of their song, you know who they are. Yeah, exactly. And WWE right now does not have that. All their music kind of blends together in a really bad way. And they're not, they're not paying out any royalties for music that people recognize and that's becoming a big problem because there's no, there is no like, oh my God, it's blank. Like it, it, there's just, oh, that's another guitar riff. Okay. Who could it, maybe it's this person. Maybe, oh, it's them. Like, I think there's, I think there is one person who can pull it off and it's Kevin Owens. He's a guy that the music hits and he comes storming out. He's into the ring in under a minute from curtain yeah. to curtain to apron, but they never use him that way. He's no. always, he's always Newman. He's always the, who are we going to get cut to outcomes? You know what I mean? Where it's yeah, like, he's, he's the, the mid show exo- guy. 
Yeah, but it's like he, it, but if you could have him starting out a show pissed at somebody, like with a reason to go, that's a good starting point. I think on the heel side on SmackDown, LA Knight could be that guy. He's a guy that's action. You know, he kind of reminds me, I know there's the age difference and carrot background different, but there's a rock light like element there where it's like heel, but I'm going to listen to this guy. I'm going to hear what he has to do. You make a really good point in that from Cody to Roman to Bray to Riddle to all the people we've mentioned on the, especially on the male side of the roster, man, those are some slow build entrances. And when those are your top stars and your start and you, you got to start hot with a top star, but when their song and their entrance takes goddamn forever to come out, I mean, even Becky sometimes takes, it's like, oh, just get, come on. Like everyone wants I've at to at least appreciated her popping up in the arena with the crowd. That to me yeah, has, that was cool. I hope they yeah. don't do that forever because I can feel that getting stale and old for a while. But at least I was like, God, we're not getting an entrance. We're not getting this long, we're there and she's interacting with the fans and this is what I want. And I don't know. I just, you know, I, like you said, they've got to shake it up. It's like, it's Tommy. It's like you said, I'm glad you brought up that holiday exchange from Sammy and Paul, because yeah. when the bloodline comes out, sometimes it does get to a point in terms of length where I'm like, Jesus Christ, where's Santa Claus already? Is he at the end of this shit? What's where are the balloons? The end, just the like, entrance for the bloodline, on. you know, up front, it's going to be at least three and a half minutes. Yeah. You can go to the bathroom. If, yep. I mean, it, maybe that, that's, that's why. a long is intro. That, is that why they're doing that? But why would you no, turn on the show? It. I mean, I, I, why would you turn on a show when you have to go to the bathroom? It's a power trip. It's, it's a way to show. Like, I like it for them. I don't like it for everyone, but I, I like it for them. It works for them. That's a nine o'clock entrance, though. Or that's a, <laughs> or, or, on, you know what I'm saying? On both shows, yeah. that's a crossover entrance. That's a regroup. Oh, crap. I got it. You know, you're going through the channels. You're, you're clicking if you're still one of those people. Or maybe you're taking a break. You see it on Twitter. That's, oh, I got to get to this. It's a two-minute buffer. You don't open the show. If someone's see, watching. But, with, but at least with Roman's music, when that tribal choir hits, you know it's Roman. Like that's, and, and the crowd goes crazy. I would say that in the KO Cena match with the Bloodline, with, with uh, Sammy and Roman, I would say the Bloodline got the bigger ovation in Tampa. Where where everyone lives, but Cena lives. <laughs> I just I just we should add that as a tag in Tampa. If we ever make it big enough to get on pro wrestling tees, I just want dot 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 in Tampa, <laughs> Ta- Tampa, Florida, where ninety five percent of all professional wrestlers live. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I loved seeing Paul tease that on like Twitter. Like, what better way? Friday night in Tampa. Like, I know that. Yes, Paul Heyman's having. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be in Tampa on New Year. That's where. Do you know how much it took me to tweet that, sir? Um, well, let's move it along to what we're getting at the Royal Rumble. It's the pitch black match. Now here's okay. Tommy's covering his face. He's showing some some body language here. Um, I I think it's going to be fine. Are you let's, forgetting the sponsor, John? It Mountain is the Dew. Mountain Dew pitch black. Match. Well, I don't, I don't go near Mountain Dew because I heard they affect your sperm count when I was a kid. You ever hear that well, urban legend? No. Well, maybe pitch black has fixed that if that's their new flavor. Oh, interesting. Oh. <laughs> I, new sponsor alert? Tonally, it's Guys, so Guys, do, do you still ever want to perform, but you can't <laughs> afford Blue Chew? Sorry. 
It's a new Blue Chew <laughs> Mountain Dew collective. You gotta um, try Black Swig. It's by Mountain for, Dew. For a, for a horror match, Julius is that over. really the tone you want to set up front that it's the Mountain Dew match? That part is kind of silly, but in so a way... Silly. But in a way, it, it's... Now, here's what I'll say. If it, it would work if we had the Funhouse back. Because I could see that character of Bray getting really into Mountain Dew. And I'd be like, oh, that's consistent with the character. I get that character. Like, I get that kind of Bray. Like, yeah, okay, he would drink Mountain Dew. There's a Pee Wee Herman element there. You'd have a fluorescent puppet just chugging it. <laughs> yeah, you'd get the Vince puppet. How funny would that be if you had the Vince puppet going, ar, 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 this shit tastes so good. Ar, 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 and just like the water like pouring out of his back of his head. Pouring ketchup uh, into his Mountain Dew. Yeah, he'd have the, yeah, the, <laughs> Julie, how much would you pop if they had the, the, the Mr. McMahon puppet in the funhouse and he was playing with his ice, his cups of ice? I would, Wh- it would be the funniest thing. That would be the best <laughs> Easter egg. If Rob Fee is listening, I want to see a, the boss puppet playing with cups of ice for no fucking reason. <laughs> that is, that might be the weirdest thing I've ever seen a person do now that I think about it. Like, I know that that sounds crazy, but no one ever talks about that. We were only, like, I was there less than you. I was there a brief time. You were there a little bit longer, but we were both there brief times in the basic scheme of things. But doesn't it strike you as odd that no one's ever talked about Vince and his weird cups of ice? Was it not in Brian Gerwitz's book? Is this a, is this a recent? Well, everyone always, I've heard this, I've, I've seen them do jokes about the steak. I've heard about the steak wrap which turned out to be a burrito we all know everyone knows that story like i think bruce told us that story it's like part of your initiation too um we all know about don't sneeze uh most people know about push your chairs in hey he wasn't wrong (laughs) as it turns out with the don't sneeze uh also don't nod your head don't nod your head i agree with that too i've come to appreciate that um also stand up for yourself. That's one I keep hearing lately is that yes. he would, he would purposely go at people to see if they would stand up for themselves. And if they didn't, he'd bury them. Yeah. Well, I stood up for myself when I said that I thought it was weird. They were making Seth Rollins say he was scared of the fiend and Vince pushed back. But then he did that weird thing. Kind of like with the hospital story where he thought about it for a second and you could almost see in his head, you were like, is he going to get that? This is a really bad idea. And then he just went, well, we're, we're running behind. And he kept going. It was like, ah, oh, so close. But the cups of ice, that is the weird thing. If I'm ever in charge of anything, I'm just going to bring a whole bunch of fucking cups of ice. Yeah. That's, Power move. Yeah. And I'm not going to explain to anyone why. I'm going to have yeah. like this, this tiny size Coca-Cola you guys see right now. And I'm going to have like five cups of ice. I'm just going to keep going. Uh-huh. Yep. With the ice sounds making it like, is he mixing something? Nope. Just playing with his ice. Um, did either of you catch what a pitch black match actually is? Because yeah, no, I didn't. The lights are out. Okay. Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. I don't know I, how you see it though. Is it just sound effects? Is it Kevin Dunn on the sound effects machine? <laughs> bang, well, you, bang. you see stars. No, I mean, no, I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. It's the pitch black match and it's going to be illuminated by everyone's phones. Ah, and they're going to be taking pictures and oh, real quick. I do have to say this. People did notice this because they were in the shot on, uh, on the video that went out on Twitter is that man, those guys that have to shift the flashlights back and forth whenever there's fiends. Did you see those guys? 
the uh, the stagehands at the ring the ring crew stagehands. Okay, so when they had Uncle Howdy attack Bray, and they did the fiend lighting, they just had guys with flashlights, and that's how they do it always. Oh it's no wonder sh- that looks so awful. They need to stop that. Oh, okay, <laughs> it, it looks terrible. <laughs> I, I didn't thought- realize that was actual people with mag lights underneath them, just going woo. Yeah, you would think that, like in this day and age, they would go to Spencer Gifts and just like hook up. You can't go to Spencer and just hook up a thing down at the bottom that just makes the lights go back and forth. Their like, professional lighting we- and LED screens are like tens of millions of dollars. Use those. Well, that's why they can't. They don't have any money left over. So it's, it's flashlight Palooza. No, but I think that's what it'll be. It'll be everyone with their phones and then they'll have like, Oh, what if though? What if they say, what if they take everyone's phone and put it in a pouch? Like you're at a, a Dave Chappelle show. Yeah. You're at a Dave Chappelle show, but you know, this would be, this would be less violent. Um, yeah, they, they don't want they don't want you to have your phone during a Dave Chappelle show because they don't want everybody recording him asking the crowd. So what do they want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys paid one hundred and fifty dollars to come see me. What do you want to talk about? Which, Tom, would you say that he is the uh, Baron Corbin of stand up? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I, <laughs> that's a hard one, man. I know. That's why I threw it at you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Julie, Julie's eyes are even. I'm like, wow. Right now. I, I would say no, no because I, just I'm be- not saying anything bad. I'm just trying to say no, if Tom no. I just, here. I think I, that's a good question for Tommy. Yeah. I would say no, just because at the very least, Dave Chappelle at the moment is a fascinating mess. Whereas Baron Corbin oh, is just wow. like, get him off my screen. Oh, that is a diss. Did you just use Dave as a weapon against someone else? That's. Wow, my I mean, goodness. I've, this I've, is Royal seen, Rumble season. I, I live out in Los Angeles. I've seen Dave, Dave enough. I have a pretty impor- informed opinion of uh, how a Dave yeah. Chappelle show goes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well, you know, wouldn't that be great if someone, if, uh, if someone started doing that with their promos, where they just set a stupid line and then hit their, their thigh with the microphone as an out? <laughs> <laughs> instead of getting, instead of just, um, also. Oh, man, that would be great. Well, Vince is a giant Dave Chappelle fan. That's his favorite comedian. You'd talk about him a lot. Did I would have really? said Red Fox. But yeah, and then he went I, to see him. Yeah, really? I think when I was, I think when I was there, he went to see Dave Chappelle one time. Oh. Yeah, and we were all like, because he called him, because I remember the meeting ended early, and Paul was like, that man is tired. I've been around that man for 15 years. He is tired. And then it was, no, he had Dave Chappelle take. Well, it's because but, the average Dave Chappelle show lasts 15 years. So he was there for a long time and Vince was very tired afterward. Yeah. At a certain point, Vince was going, what? What? <laughs> After he <laughs> all circles back. Um, anyway, I don't know. I think it's gonna be okay. Keeping things moving. Speaking of the same storyline, Bianca Belair, who we just mentioned, and Alexa Bliss. I love this. This is when I texted you guys and said, good raw. Good episode. It was a good episode last night. I think I thought it was uh, one of the better rides I've seen in a long time. Um, I thought it was a great way to start the year. I thought it was compelling right from the get go. Some, a lot of good stories and they didn't hot shot. It was like, okay, cool. I can't wait to see what happens next week. And you know, by the time this episode comes out, we don't know what the latest will be, but it was obviously a very uh, tough night. Uh, Monday was in the U.S. because of the uh, incident that happened in the Monday night football game. And um, 
WWE is, is comfort food for many people. And I thought they delivered anyway. I thought it was a good episode anyway. And I thought they stood out on a night that people needed a distraction. I thought they had did some really good Did you see Taz's stuff. comment on that situation? I did. And yeah, uh, do you that wanna, was excellent. Do you want to catch you know, Taz up? is one of those guys that people just assume, you know, he's a hard ass and he's an old school guy. And he, he went the complete opposite direction. And you forget sometimes, oh yeah, his kid is an active wrestler now. And also, so he, yeah, I mean, I mean I, we all understand chest trauma, which mm-hmm. is apparently what happened in the game. It's rare, but it can happen. It can stop yeah. a heart. Yep. I mean, there, there was, there was a kayfabe move for years in wrestling that nobody uses anymore. The hard punch, which was literally a big meaty wrestler would usually punch in the chest and you'd go down. And, and that's because that's a real thing that happens. Uh, again, exceedingly rare. But it can happen. And uh, I, was, I was very, very pleased to see Taz's take on it. Because I, yeah. I do respect him a ton. Yeah, he just tweeted out, you know, for wrestlers that maybe it's time we stop doing the chest stomps and everything like that. And for everybody involved, that always makes me nervous. I'm like, someone's going to just, someone's going to have like a Sid Vicious like ankle break. Or there's going to be something in the heart. I'm like, this is, why are you doing this? Well, like, someone foot told to chest, me this that- is, there was, while I was at WWE, there were a couple of moves that were banned because of concussions. There was, you know, the, the industry was, sports in general was very scared of that. And part of the reason is because kids often recreate those moves. And yes. so part of the reason why sometimes, or, or at least was told to me in the room, some of the reasons they don't do that is so that kids avoid doing that for real to each other and accidentally causing a concussion, causing an injury, that kind of thing. Also neck trauma. Uh, Mm. The pile driver was the, that was a move that was frequently used in the eighties all the way up until the nineties. And then it became a move literally that just uh, the undertaker and his version, the tombstone pile driver, which is much more safe than uh, a regular pile driver, which the regular pile driver is what broke stone cold's neck. Um, and so the, you, you see the regular pile driver on the indies and you see it in AEW, but it is not on WWF television, WWE television anymore. Inverted uh, pile driver. Reason, it's dangerous. Inverted mm-hmm. for Stone Cold though, right? Because he was still held up like it was a tombstone, but then Owen sat down instead of kneeling down. Owen had, uh, Stone Cold's head too far down. It was but like no, his, but his, his enti- the entire crown of his head was exposed and he just blasted him onto the mat. It was, it I- was a. What I'm saying is he didn't pick him up like Jerry Lawler would. He had him up like it was a tombstone, right? Yeah. And then, then he sat down instead of yep. going forward. He didn't so just whole, sit yeah. down. He like jumped up. Right. But I mean, it, it was, was hor- hor- a horrific injury. Very, very tough to watch. It was an odd looking move. And as I recall, even Jim Ross didn't quite know. Like he was even thrown by it. Like it was like, oh, he's going for a tombstone. No. Yeah. It was a weird one. But yeah, it was when great. When I was C-10s. there, Paul would tell a lot of stories about. I guess him and Brock and times where things would go wrong and injuries that he would sustain. Those were tough for me to even listen to. Like, I can't imagine being there, seeing it, but like him retelling the story, I was like, my God. I, I won't talk about this here. Um, cause we like Paul, uh, as we've said many times before, but did you ever get to hear the mass transit story from Paul? Uh, maybe. Oh, I was in the room about the guy in Boston that said he lied and said he was a wrestler. Oh, I don't think you did. You would know. I don't, you, no, you would, I don't you would right now be saying, stop talking. No, I knew about that because it was Tommy. You remember that because it was Boston area. 
I remember that on the news. I remember seeing that on Channel 7. Anyway, this kid, I won't go too far into it. People can look it up if they want. This kid in uh, Revere. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that explains yeah, right, a lot. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like when Paul started telling the story, I went, oh, and then he said, I needed, nah, I needed you when I got this call. I would have said, oh, God, bail right. Don't even do the show. Like, that would have been my advice. 90, 96, I think it was. So it was like, you know, the nadir of the Boston area, kind of. And uh, anyway, this kid went, showed up, said he was a wrestler. And someone there vouched for him. He wasn't really a wrestler. And uh, some bleeding went on. And uh, it didn't go well. But I was in the room and Paul talked about that. And Mm -hmm. I heard the whole story. And I was like, oh, I know what this is going to be. I didn't know everything. (laughs) Like, I I knew, like, all the details were on the money. But the description of it was like. Right? Yes. Oh, God. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. He tells you. It's like like when you read Stephen King, I always skip through the, like, I'm like, I, I can see. I think Stephen King does that on purpose. He'll have paragraphs that are just all the blood and guts. So you can skip it. So I can just go like, no, I'm just going to skip it. Is he a dead or is he alive? And, but Paul would tell you in that story, he went literally like tissue by tissue of yep. everything that was hard. And it was just like, and um, dude, Betsy was like, Betsy, who I never saw like thrown by anything was like, I think she was almost going to be sick. Like she was covering her mouth level. Like, and I, cause I kept thinking like, is Betsy here? And then I looked over and she just was like white as a sheet. And I was like, oh, God, Betsy's freaked out by this. And I was right next to Paul. So I had to, like, pretend I was OK. I was not OK. Oh. It was a crazy story. Well, there's, there is a level of resentment that wrestlers, I think, rightfully have with anyone who I mean, the day you step into a training academy for wrestling, you're almost accept. OK, you, you, you want to go through the regular rigmarole. You want to do this correctly. So there's a certain respect that comes with that. You just walk in off the street and say, I'm a wrestler to a wrestler. They're going to murder you. Yeah. And well, <laughs> you've asked for it. You know, I mean, there's even there are some wrestlers that have a more barbaric mentality than others. But for the most part, it's almost like I, I, the first acting gig I ever got that was that was money in my pocket. The actors, I, I was really nervous and they're like, hey, are they paying you for this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they are. OK, then you're an actor. It's it's different when you've earned the spot or you're working towards the spot. But if you're just a dope coming in off the street, well, yeah, game on. I mean, I, I totally get that. It's New Jack, as I recall, right? In the yeah, NES. the craziest wrestler yeah, that ever I was going to say the very worst possible person <laughs> you yep. could challenge. Sort of like, to put it in other terms, if anyone else, if anyone's a baseball fan, all three of you out there, um, like... It's kind of like if you walked up against Randy Johnson in the 90s and was like, hey, I can hit a baseball. Okay, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get in there. See how many well, spe- throw speaking right of your bloodletting, though, there was some bloodletting in the Bianca right. Alexa match. There was. Yes. That's what I texted you guys. Was that the hard way or do we think that was sort of. I don't know the other half of the equation. Alexa, for sure, was the hard way. Cause she yeah. had like kind of like abrasions or a, she was bleeding from the nose area and yep. that there's no way they could fake that. Um, the Bianca spot, maybe there was a capsule involved. Uh, hard oh, to tell. That, I, I didn't see where there was an abrasion or anything. She was, she had blood on her chin, but again, it's harder to tell, but Alexa for sure got busted. Uh, I think it was, I, th- I think Bianca was, I think she was cut. I don't think that was Julie. Did you ever hear about them doing anything with capsules? 
No. Yeah. I don't. Capsules maybe that, maybe are usually used for internal injuries. Right. That's when someone, you know, when someone sits on you and all of a sudden you're coughing up blood. That's that's when or the when, capsules are typically used. Or when you're Sami Zayn's comedy counterpart, Charlie Day, on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and you're trying to impress a girl on a date when you're a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a lot of bloodletting last night because there was a lot of Gaga. Ever. There was a lot of weapons and you know foreign well, there objects was a piano and, so, and yeah a so there was a, there was some tambourine the tambourine oh, but before we before we get to that though because we're yeah. getting we're verging into the entertainment realm of sports entertainment tell everyone what you what you guys dug up right before you came out tommy was it you about the the bianca alexa bliss match yes that's our friends at sports kita who was it so who's the writer Sports Kita. Let's see who the writer was on this piece. We want to give him. It we was like Levi Gration. Oh, cool. But, Levi uh, Gration. So I'm last picking night, up Levi Gration. Mm-hmm. There, there were uh, there were pieces of the match between Alexa Bliss and uh, Bianca Belair that appear to have stolen choreography from Scary Movie. <laughs> stolen or borrowed? I would say borrowed. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, I mean, that's that's, that's an homage. Sure. It worked. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. It, it was very funny. You, so you had uh, Bianca, who is taller and longer than Alexa, putting her hand out, uh, holding Alexa's head as Alexa was swinging away like a child, <laughs> like a toddler trying to hit their parent. And so it, that was very funny. And then it ended in an uppercut by Bianca. Uh, that was all in Scary Movie. And, oh, uh, yeah. Recreated. That's, <laughs> that was a good, that's a good, hey, comedy. Working in wrestling. It's a good comedy spot. Who do we think uh, produced that? Who do we think produced that? Ugh. I'm going to hmm. say uh, Helms, probably. I'm going to say Let's Jamie get, uh, Noble. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to stick with Helms. Okay. Julie? Julie's yeah, you know what? They, they, Shane's both a fun, of he's them funny. are guys w- with slapstick mentalities, but yeah, I, it was probably Mr. Helms. Um, I would say also that I liked what happened in the match. I thought it was weird at first that she just sees a guy with a mask and I was like, oh, here we go again. And then there was another one. And I was like, ooh. And then, uh, and then the way it worked out with the Tron, she, she sold it perfect. Okay, the crowd popped for that. You got to they, they, they went nuts. They really did. They really fucking went nuts. And yes, shout out to everyone behind that, produced that match and that segment and everyone that got to probably be in Gorilla. That must have been fucking awesome to like hear that electric, to hear the crowd go nuts. Like even at just little quick, subtle things. That was pretty cool. I'm still not totally on board with the fact that no one is acknowledging that this is Bray, that we're all independently stupid, that this doesn't have something to do with Bray Wyatt. Well, I think Corey sort of did, but not his partner as much. And Tommy and I were talking about this. They're doing this weird thing where they're, they're mentioning it, but not during the segments. They're mentioning it in recaps and afterwards, but not necessarily during, which I think that's a weird choice. I do, because as I it's just, happening, it's, why, why not do say, it then? Just say, I just, I just don't like acknowledging what you're literally seeing in front of you. I think that is my, or if it's supposed to be supernatural or something bigger or greater, or you, you've got to kind of address that so that, I don't say like, you guys are dumb. You're not seeing, you're not saying what you're seeing. Like this kind of selling would have worked a month ago. Cause it would be like, yes. them kind of being like, there's no way this could possibly, but now it's like, 
I think back to when The Undertaker came back in 04 as the dead man. And part of that story was you had the King and Jim Ross. And every time Kane was wrestling and the lights would go down and the weird Titan Tron video would show, you know, you, the King would go, JR, there's no way is he here. And then at a, it did hit a certain point where JR would go, this seems to be the undertaker again. And that is missing. Yeah. And that's something we've talked about. Gosh, I know we keep doing this. We gave compliments recently and I hate to kind of pull them away, but it does feel like I, st- I, I, I still, I like Corey, but it doesn't feel like this is working still for raw totally. And the name I brought up to you guys last night was someone who's been on this podcast, Sean Grandy, who's the play-by-play announcer for the Boston Celtics. And I don't mean to disparage or demean anyone else. I just want to say that in general, if I was picking from anyone to come be the play-by-play guy for Monday night raw to be quick, working off a guy like Corey, because Sean does it with, Cedric Maxwell or with Brian Scalabrini, whoever he's paired with and tell a story and know about wrestling. Sean Grandy would be fucking great. That well, I think and the biggest difference the... between Sean Grandy and Kevin Patrick is Sean's never at a loss for words. And Mm-mm. Patrick is a, he's, he's in the weeds right now. He's a little lost. He might be a good third man, but ideally he'd be a third man. I don't think he's right for two man booth. But this particular thing with Bray, that's a choice. Like this isn't Corey and Patrick saying we're not going to say that. I think it's a choice that oh, yeah, someone's sure. feeding it, to it, them it, to say they a- can't bring it up, which is weird to me. And I'm just like, and, and again, it, it's a choice. And I think they're going with that choice and that's fine. And I, I like the direction it's heading. That's just the one thing I can't get through. It takes me out of it because I'm just like, well, all of you are dumb. Come on. I don't, I'm sorry to typecast here, but every time Patrick's on screen, he's smiling. You ever notice that? He's always, and it's like that night, and I think it's genuine, and you don't want to tell someone don't be yourself in that role, but you need someone who can look horrified. You need someone who can, who, or angry at the least, that things have been in. Patrick, he's, there was a segue last night where, I th- it was right then, it was right after the fiendish moment where, you know, Corey's selling it great. You know, he's almost, he's somehow got the color out of his face. He made himself turn white. He's like shaking his head. And Patrick, anyway, folks, coming up now. And I'm like, oh, God. And to type, I'm just going to say, okay, you know what the real, and yeah, I am stereotyping here, but he's Lord Alfred Hayes. That's where I'd love to see Patrick, if he's going to be involved with the broadcast, is the kind of, hello, cheerio, the cheery British guy backstage that gives us updates on things. And you can involve him in segments where he can be funny. Because I don't know who's leading the dance when I watch Mm, it sometimes. That's true. And I do think they did a good job for a few weeks. But last night, that coming out of that, when he was smiling right away, I was like, come on. That was just that was just very like Home Shopping Network to me, where it was just like fake smile. You know what I mean? Or maybe they think Irishman just naturally smile all the time. Remember they did that to Finn and it almost killed him. <laughs> they did it to Seamus too. And he was in the room making all those jokes when they yep. was getting reviewed by the board. And my name's uh, Seamus Lipschitz and that whole joke. <laughs> I mean, Balor in particular, that, that style that was like, Hey, you're a smiling Irishman. Oh man. He was so over and that it ended like overnight. Um, I do want to say this. Let's get to the uh, the piano match. 
a very strange thing happened in this match. Had either of you ever heard of, I mean, no, like, let's face it. We know who we are. So I will admit, I work with people who work in country music radio. Okay. I'm around this stuff. That's not what I, it's not my bag, but like, I know people who do this. I'd never heard of the country music artist Hardy before. And the name Hardy on WWE, Jesus Christ, that was confusing. Thank you. The what whole the night. I was, was like, happening? why are they referencing Jeff and Matt? Like, this is weird. <laughs> like, who this is, is he? This is so strange. He, he looks like the guy from, what? who is that group that always did all the fucking party songs like 10 years ago? It was like the uncle and his nephew. What was the name of those guys? Oh. Yeah, they, I remember them. But they, that's, MAO? You know, Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was like, is that a guy from LMFAO? Like, is he here and he's going to, what's he doing? And he's Hardy now. I was just so confused. I thought he looked like Kid Rock Jr. Yeah. He's like, Kid Rock had a kid? Ugh. He was one of Kid Rock's helpers. He's, <laughs> when you go see Kid Rock at the mall, it's, it's this gentleman sits in a chair and then you sit on him and then he tells you what disease you got. But, um, uh, but I will say, uh, I was so confused. I was just By like, the way, he, they, was, he was not over in Nashville either. No, no one. They they didn't know who he was either. And weird chair shot. I understand that that's supposed to be part of it, but because they were like, he was also wearing a hat. So I thought maybe it was one of the Hardy brothers. Very confusing. Because I was like, I was like, is is one of them bad? Like what? I was so. It took me way too long to realize it wasn't one of them. It was cousin Lumpy Hardy. Do we think that if Vince was there, would he have made the actual man <laughs> named Hardy change, change his name, name before air? Yes! God damn. It's not going to be Hardy. Yeah. Chicken Fingers Walsh. Uh, Erica. Trademark Chicken Fingers Walsh. Oh, we he went for dinner. Chicken Fingers Walsh. No, he would have made him change his name. He never would have signed off on that, right? Am I right? No. There's too no, much he confusion. Yeah, he, and right, also and he no, would have been no right. upside. We're not, ta- we're not talking about Bad Bunny. I mean, Bad Bunny is an international superstar. This yes. guy is some yeah. dude that just also, cut an album. I will say this, <laughs> because of White Rabbit, Bad Bunny will also have to change his name if he comes oh, back. No. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Señor Conejo. Yeah. <laughs> or it's the uh, milk, guys, milk let's get to the leopard. match, though. Um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Is anyone being protected better? than Solo Sokoa right now. I mean, he is a monster. We, we've talked about it before. He's awesome, but now he's getting the rub. Well, who I mean, who are it. we leading up to for him to turn on? Is it Sammy? Who, who are they building up him as a monster to go after? That's what I'm trying to target. Well, I mean, last night we saw 
he killed all the security guards. Yeah, yeah, alone. <laughs> and then and then also killed Elias. Um, I, I mean, it's been I going mean, on for oh weeks. Gosh. I, I they're did booking think him my, strong. I did think to myself, poor Elias. Like when they started that segment, ladies and gentlemen, Elias, and just a brrr, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is exactly four years ago. This is the same fucking thing. Yeah. Did, wasn't he supposed to get something even crazier? Was it like when he came back as uh, just, I feel bad for him, man. He was supposed like he, to come back as like macho man, Randy Savage jr. And I'm glad that they didn't do that. Um, no, I, I was there. I, feel I was there Elias, during that. Yeah. Elias slash Ezekiel. Um, but yeah, you, you, he's the guy that he's going to get guys like solo over and solo right now. I mean, they're booking him strong because they see him as a top guy. And so do I, I mean, every time that guy is in the ring, he's scary. He's believable. Um, he is so smooth in the ring for a young is guy. Is he good on the mic, though, Tommy? I don't think he needs to be, which is no. fine. Um, <laughs> I watch them. Right now, he's in an enforcer You didn't say role. that about Dexter Loomis. I'm going to hold you. I was to... going to say, what if that's a program? Hey, well, would but... you do that? A Dexter versus Solo thing? A where silent it's... match. You've yes. got the pitch dark match, and then you've got the <laughs> silent match. Could, could you do a silent program? Could you take a shot at that? I would take a shot at that, at mapping well, that out. Could you map out three to four weeks of a, a, a no promo program that tells a story without talking? They, hey, you know, they almost did it with Undertaker and Nails back in the day. And, you know, that would have been <laughs> Until great. Until they piped in Nails' voice through the, yes. through the, through the, uh, the, the vocoder or whatever was, they used. Who was doing that? Do you remember who it was? I don't know, but it was so silly. Apparently Nails, who was this giant, scary looking guy, had a voice like a child. So they gave him a like a Frank Welker Megatron voice. <laughs> the interesting thing about Nails, just to go off for a second, that as a child, I was nine and I was like, hold on a second. So an escape prisoner, great buildup. Like that was a like a decent, like terrifying buildup. And amazing debut, really compelling for 19, early 1992. But then he, they let him wrestle like that. I was like, wait a second. Yep. He broke out and of jail. And then the bell rang. No, no, hold on. He broke out of jail. He came through the crowd. He hopped the barrier, the thing they tell you never to do. He, he beats the hell out of the big boss, man. So they sign him to a contract like that. <laughs> that's what you get. And then, so that's the first thing. And I was like, wait a second. And I remember my dad just smirking as I was saying, this doesn't make because he's like, no shit, dumbass. As like, like, I'm figuring out wrestling. <laughs> and then, so then he comes back. This is also when I said, IRS, million dollar man. They wouldn't like each other. And dad was just like, yeah, again. So then uh, he comes back. He loses to the big boss man. Boss man goes over. And then who comes back on Saturday? Nails is still rest. Like what? The whole thing made no sense. Like a prisoner broke out of jail. He kept his jumpsuit on for some reason to go to the wrestling show. Didn't think to put on some sweatpants, some, uh, some, what were the name of those pants back in the day? The ones Zubaz. that Zubaz. Yeah. You should put up, should have put on some Zubaz and you know, one of those, uh, Ica pro shirts just kind of blend in. No, he kept on the orange jumpsuit. Like he's from the, the movie us jumped over the barrier, kept the jumpsuit lost to the big boss, man. It's all over. And then he still kept, they were like, let's keep this guy around. It just, I was like, that's when I was like, hold on a sec. He could you not know? work at all. Like he was, he was a tiny Lister Zeus level of bad. But then also he was someone they called in the steroid trial. And yep. it's like, hold on a second. 
We're trying to display the use of steroids. I know who we should get. A guy in a mechanics outfit. Like, was Max Moon unavailable? Was the gobbledygooker, was he just pleading the fifth? Am I just going to keep asking Seinfeld rhetorical questions? Maybe. Um, <laughs> I could keep... Was, was Skinner busy that day? Skinner. Shawn <laughs> Michaels' dad. Was the Mountie stuck at the border? I'll keep going. Anyway, I think what might happen with Solo is uh, I think he's the guy that rats Sammy out for something. And that leads... To, I think Sammy's up to no good right now. I think we all think they're going to fuck him, but he is pulling some shit. And I think that's going to be the reveal. That's my theory. And Solo knows it. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that's just like... because. Is, you know, it's a, he's, the, he's the cynic of the, if you watch a movie or even a comedy, you know, Mad Men was good for this. There's always the cynic. You know? I did feel bad for both guys, by the way, in the match, because they both got busted open. There was weapons all, so they used musical instruments as weapons. So you're getting thrown into drum kits and getting hit with a cowbell. And uh, Elias actually busted himself open, swinging his guitar and missing solo, but hitting the post. And one of the wires, I think, snapped back. One of the um, one of the one of the strings snapped back and cut his arm open. And so, but they were both bleeding. And it's it's you know it's a silly match. And then it ended with a spectacular spinning solo on a piano that that actually was rigged properly and exploded or imploded under under Elias's weight. But I felt bad because Elias is also. We talked about Kevin Patrick being in the weeds. Elias is a little bit in the weeds too right now, and his timing was off. And Solo really had to carry that match. Uh, there were a few spots that—that's well, why missed. they call him Solo. Yeah, well, but that that shows you how good Solo is—is is that he can carry a veteran performer, a guy who's older and more experienced than him in the ring, and do it well and make make something of that match. But yeah, that that kid's a superstar. Love watching him work. I just picture the end of that match. Just- Oh, we got a piano over here. We got a harp over here. Two guys covered in blood. Did John Tesh do bath salts? All right, Julie, you wanted to talk about uh, your the favorite best segue, segue ever. ever. All right, what was it? It included no words at all. It was simply a extended stunned stare by Byron Saxton. Did you guys see that right after the beginning of the show when the bloodline is causing havoc? Oh, yeah. It cuts to Byron and he is just staring at the camera for a good Byron two, Saxton three also, seconds. First of all, good. Byron Saxton yeah. was also dressed like he stepped off the set of Miami Vice in the 80s. Like he was wearing a very neon pink ensemble shirt and like electric blue sh- uh, suit. And yeah, he was they cut to him backstage <laughs> staring into the camera in horror. It was- uh, a little, a little overacting. That was pretty good. I didn't yeah. care. I thought it was so good. And I was like, there's no need to segue now. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Don't it forget was, the socks. Don't forget the socks. Byron's got a, he's got a good socks game. That guy. I, she, I do like, has, I like, I like Saxon's outfits. I think she has good. Christmas socks a couple weeks ago. That's, <sighs> that's solid. Good shit. Man knows uh, what he's doing. If you want to follow Byron Socks and all the other action on Monday Night Raw, it's Monday nights at 8 on USA, and then there's Friday Night Smackdowns. Friday at 8 on, as we mentioned, Fox, stand up and applaud everyone in their suit. And now, it's time for AEW and Sometimes Why. AEW and Sometimes Why. Now, Tommy, you've been getting into uh, Dax Harwood. Tell me what is significant about 
Dax's podcast. Everyone's talking about this. There's a billion podcasts. There are a billion podcasts, but most of them are people that either work in the office or are retired. Uh, I think the appeal with Dax is that Dax has always been a guy who's been a bit of a freewheeler as far as what he wants to say. He says it, and he uh, does not necessarily care about repercussions. He's going to say what he wants to say. I listened to the FTR uh, with Dax Harwood podcast. Um, Just in the interest of full disclosure, I love FTR. I hated the revival. Um, The revival, when they came to the main roster from NXT in WWE, they were so neutered. Their moveset was so bland and so like closed off. You could tell that these were guys that could work, but weren't being allowed to. So they were just a boring tag team. It was a bald guy and a guy that wasn't bald. And they were going to have a very old school match with whoever they were in the ring with. And it was very anticlimactic. I thought you were were describing uh, Kevin Owens and John Cena there for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Had to get that in. Oh, John Cena and his his bald spot. I'm not Uh, one to be taking shots. None of us are at this point. No, no. But I, I will say that Dax Harwood, after listening to his podcast, I, I really wish that people would keep to a shorter format, uh, try to keep it to an hour. It was about two hours, but I oh will say this. Oh my God, are you serious? Dax yeah. Harwood talked for two hours? But so there is something I really, I grew an appreciation for Dax that I didn't have before. First of all, I think as far as like wrestler of the year, definitely he was, he was in the top five as a single. He... Now, here's what I don't like is that there's been a lot of speculation that when their contract is up, they're headed back to WWE or they're going to they're going to leave AEW and travel the world, whatever. There is no way there is no timeline where Dax Harwood becomes a single star in a tag team in WWE. Not going to happen. They'd be a tag team forever. And if he was ever in a singles match, it would be to put somebody over. So as far as Dax's singles success in AEW, it ain't happening in in WWE. Not now, not ever. They do not care about tag team wrestling, and they're not going to start. I really liked a lot about Dax in that he's, I forget, so FTR, because of their presentation, they're very old school, they're very hard-nosed. I always just think of them as like two 65-year-old grumpy guys when they're both 10 years younger than me. And listening to Dax, so Dax Hardwood is 38 years old. I learned a lot about him that I didn't know before. Um, is he 38? Yeah. Holy shit. They just seem older, but they, yeah, he's 38 years old. I think they both are. And Dax was a guy that he had to put himself through school because his, uh, he, he put himself through college working three jobs plus wrestling on the weekends because his fi- the financial bottom fell out of his entire family and they mm. all went broke while he was in college. He got his degree and he's a smart guy. Um, He wears his emotion on his sleeve. And there was, so I'm somebody that also does those things. And I felt a kinship with Dax because he has a chip on his shoulder. And again, I'm 10 years older than Dax. So I know that the chip on my shoulder at 38 was much bigger and weighed a lot more than it does now. And there is a point in your life where you have to, and he freely admits that he has the chip on his shoulder. Like he, at one point, they, the, uh, the host talked about the chip on his shoulder as if it was a past thing. He's like, past? No, it's now. No, you and never lose the chip on your shoulder. It's no. It's permanent. That's why it's called you the learn chip to, on your shoulder. You learn to live with it where it doesn't consume you. And I think that Dax is a guy that 
he really, he definitely isn't afraid to speak his mind. Uh, he seems to have friendships with people that are easygoing. Um, and in some cases has friendships that are based on love of wrestling. That's where it started with CM Punk, uh, Cash and Dax and CM Punk got close because of their love of Bret Hart and their love of professional wrestling. And so he told some stories about Punk that were, the episode was supposed to be all about Punk and it kind of went here, there and everywhere. And I'm glad it did. I think it would have been, uh, less interesting without context. And I think they did a nice job of selling that. Um, one thing I didn't know. Uh, Dax Harwood is also friends with Orange Cassidy. So again, all these people that think Orange is this joke wrestler and this silly guy, he, he's friends with a, an awful lot of hard-nosed, you know, tough guys. So, but apparently they they drink uh, tequila after shows together. But I was so, going to say, like, with, with Orange Cassidy, like, people mock him because he, oh, he puts his hands in his pockets. Like, do you know how fucking hard it must be to do a lot of those goddamn moves? With it your hands a ridiculous and ridiculous level of athleticism. That's crazy stuff that he does without having your arms to propel you at all. Like, well, and also, and also to be a 170 pounder who can like do a beach break, which is putting a guy on your shoulders and, and uh, doing a reverse like slam. I mean, the stuff that orange does is spectacular and it, it, there's no way anything but a spectacular athlete could, could pull it off. But Dax, I really hope that he and cash stay in AEW uh, they just lost their AAA, so they're slowly losing all their belts. They lost the ROH titles to the Briscoe brothers. They lost the AAA titles uh, to Dragon Lee and Dralistico, and Dragon Lee is now an, uh, a WWE talent, which that's a whole other story. Dragon Lee wrestled briefly in AEW. WWE has now signed Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee is a tremendous performer and a veteran, and they signed him to an NXT deal, which just it blows my mind. Well, yeah, it's like, to, it's like Bobby he, Roode. He's ready for the main roster and they're putting him in with the kids. And it's just, now you're seeing one of the biggest problems with NXT is that they're just, they're letting people languish there forever. And they're coming out of NXT like 35, 36, 37 years old. That's not developmental. So now you're, you're putting people that are like overqualified for the main roster on the main roster. And now no one cares because they haven't been there long enough. The big story and, of the the week, though, is that uh, Dax Harwood said us something very specific about CM Punk and his relationship with the elite, and that was a first, right? That someone in AEW, um, when I I in it for another gig when I interviewed Billy Gunn, he kind of said some things, and they kind of mirrored. Uh, but again, it was a little bit, you know, sort of more diplomatic. But Dax Harwood was pretty much the first AEW person I think I've heard who just overtly said, this is shitty and these guys should work it out. Right. Is he the first person that really went that far? I don't know that he went that far. He, he basically gave a first person analysis of it. it. He didn't go. So he basically kept it. He stayed in the pocket of what he knew firsthand, which he wasn't there. He was they were already off site. Oh, someone, so, actually, someone admitted they weren't there and didn't see exactly. it? Holy shit, yeah. there's your first no. big story. He and Cash and several other wrestlers were all off-site when it happened, and Punk FaceTimed him, like, right after it happened. Punk was still bloody and sweaty. And oh, my everything. God. Yeah. So they FaceTimed, and, and Dax, you know, asked me, do you need any help? Do you need me to go over there? And, you know, because they're, they're tight. And he's like, no. But they, I, I like that Dax, he didn't keep diplomatic as much as he kept within what he knew. And he didn't go over the top. He didn't, you know, he didn't speculate. He also didn't 
uh, editorialize. Um, I don't think that he and Cash are ever going to be the best friends of of uh, the Young Bucks. They definitely have a rivalry uh, that is real, both uh, on screen and off. But I don't. I, I think that they could work together. Um, it, it was it was an interesting lesson. I mean, Dax. One thing he said uh, he d- that he did mention that I, I hadn't heard before is that he had a little heat with Colt Cabana because he felt like when they came into the company, Colt uh, mocked him, mocked his accent, which uh, he didn't dig. And uh, yeah, I was going to say nothing like a Chicago guy mocking someone's accent. Like I, I try not to mock anyone's accent because I'm from Boston. Um, But just the idea when you hear some of these things, you're like, Oh, there must've been like a knife fight. There must've been, Cause like in the old, like the eighties wrestling stories you hear, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to Bruiser Brody or anybody else, but it was like crazy shit. And now it's, I think he mocked the way I speak a little bit. <laughs> I can't fucking work with this guy. Just like, okay. Yeah. But, uh, so but, they, they definitely don't like him, but it was, but punk, it was a, but punk, it was a good chat, but punk responded. Correct. Yes. And said, and that kind of felt like, and punk basically said like when he basically said i think it's bad or these guys could make money or it's bad for or they should work it out for business and punk responded duh online yeah. that was his quote that was a powerful duh yep because like that was the first time and that to me was like punk saying yeah let's do this i like we've said this all along punk's going back at some point i think we all kind of know he's their version of bray wyatt is that fair to say that it's just like it was a, it's a lot uglier Although so the stuff that's come out about Bray and Vince seemed pretty ugly too. So, yeah. I mean, I know that wasn't physical, but that was really, that got personal and heated. And it's like, I feel like punk is just there. And I think he comes back sooner than later. I think Do we've you- held the line here in that we've always felt like we don't know much. No, we don't know much directly from the people involved in that. And we can only assume that, CM Punk is still employed by AEW and is coming back. And, and until that, until something happens different, that's what I expect. And I, and, and I hope for, uh, I will say there was one more CM Punk story in there was the Starbucks story. Uh, so CM Punk, apparently uh, it hit love of coffee is uh, something that a lot of the wrestlers share. And he bought like a bunch of $500 Starbucks gift cards and oh, gave yeah. them to all the, the AEW wrestlers. Which Someone did have sweet. a funny tweet, though, that was like, wow, think of the three visits to Starbucks that we'll pay for, <laughs> <laughs> which I was kind of like, but there, there was yeah. more about Punk's generosity as far as he would take all the wrestlers out to eat and pay the bill. And like Punk is a he's a he's a good guy. And, uh, yeah. and we've talked about. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely not the easiest person to work with. No, in he's some an asshole. Cases. You can be an asshole and still be a good person. Totally. That's what I, you, that's my, can, that's my morning affirmation with. That's what I, that's my person. morning mantra every day. I look in the mirror and I say, you can be an asshole and still be a good person. <laughs> but, look look you know, for my relaxation tape, everybody. I think that both of you may have different opinions of this, but I've always felt like, Hey, if I'm working with somebody and they're a grouch, but they get the job done yes. and they make me look good. Yeah, sure. Be as grouchy as you want. I don't give a shit. I'm going yes. home and you're not there. So. Yeah, we were from the time, a different time when, you know, shit got done and things were accomplished. Anyway, um, also uh, moving on, speaking of people that went to Starbucks with CM Punk. Okay, so pro wrestling tees. That is a segue. 
Uh, pro wrestling tees, top three. Three was MJF, correct? Yep. For, and then number two, CM Punk. The number one seller on pro wrestling tees. Number one for the entire year of 2022, Dan Housen. Oh, and he's having a field day with it. He is but all it, he over his Instagram should. stories. I he agree. Should. That's fantastic. I agree. And it's just like to anyone, to any of the, as to, Tommy, you came up with this with CM Punk, right? E- ego driven old heads. I think that's what you called them. <laughs> old um, head ego podcast. That's right. You, you wrote, you typed it, you faxed it to CM Punk and he sent you a check. Um, to all In those Starbucks people, money. Yeah. <laughs> he faxed you a Starbucks card. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like you're the Leno faxer of wrestling and you get paid in Starbucks cards um, I <laughs> I uh, well anyway they always talk about how this guy Dan Housen's killing the business I'm sorry if you're the number one seller in business how are you then killing it what like what is what are you talking about well, and remember our controversial little video that we put up where we talked about uh, Tony Khan having to be careful the way that he booked Dan Housen because you don't want to kill the goose that laid the golden eggs. Who laid the goldenest egg of all? It yeah. was our friend Dan Housen. And yeah. again, he's a guy that belongs on television. I don't know that he's a world championship contender at any point, but have him on TV. Uh, he was in an interesting segment on Rampage last week where there is a bit of a best friends breakup tease. And I liked that he was conflicted and he did some silly Danhausen shit uh, that he <laughs> was hilarious during the match. Uh, at one point he kicked or he pretended to kick orange Cassidy to get him up and then picked him up to put yeah. him back in the ring. Um, and then at the end, there was a little drama where the, uh, the best friends tag team walked away from the victorious orange Cassidy. So orange Cassidy and Trent of the best friends wrestled for the all Atlantic championship orange won, And at the end of the, and it was a hard fought match and the best friends walked away. And it was, it was jarring because we've only known them in the context of that. These guys are friends and they hug and they're like, this has been years now. So there was emotional depth to it that I really liked. And then Danhausen staying in the ring with his best friend, orange and looking sad. And that was very effective. It was very, very emotionally strong i liked that segment a lot and that's why that's why dan housen it's not just and yes his merchandise is very good i think that overall the big shock for me was dan housen over the acclaimed dan housen over orange cassidy dan housen Mm. over uh adam page i mean there were a lot of people that were in the five to ten range that i expected to be top three but yeah dan housen at number one it makes sense because he is that beloved and he understands how to market himself. And I that's agree. almost that's the, biggest the most thing. important thing. I agree. I he's got a YouTube channel. He had CM Punk on it. He's engaging with a bunch of people. He's great on Twitter. I think he knows how to reach fans in 2023 now, as opposed to what I think people think of marketing. They think of what they were doing back in the 80s and the 90s. And the game has changed. And I think Dan Housen is an example of being able to correctly market himself and he's winning. Well, and you yeah. can sit him alongside any horror icon and it looks like it makes sense. So yep. You can sit him between like Svenguli and Elvira and Dan Housen looks right at home. 
And lo- his merchandise reflects that. It's got a very retro charm to it. It's got that horror. And horror people buy a ton of shit. Okay, but people who are horror fans, self-included, buy tons and tons of black t-shirts. So yeah, that, I mean, that helps as well. But now, okay, now we can put a number next to Dan Housen's name as far as what he's worth to the company. Now what they do to it going human forward, monies. very, very human monies, lots of human monies. Really quick, uh, because it's still kind of speculative, but there's been talk of, and I want to hear, Tommy, you know the lowdown on this. And then Julie, I want to get your perspective because this is where you come in with uh, analytics and all that. Um, very important for keeping any company going is that there's been talk of a TV repackage and or restructure with AEW. Is that what's going on with that? That seems pretty major. We're going to see it uh, on Wednesday night. What, what's Wednesday going on? Night. So they have, they have filmed a vignette basically, but the vignette looks very different from what they'd been doing prior. I mean, there was a kind of like old school cable TV WCW look for the first few years that it stayed pretty static for AEW and Mansuri coming on. There was, I don't, they wanted to do a soft open with him as far as like, let's, let's keep the next few weeks rolling the same way. But once the year turns, let's do something different. Uh, I think the way they shoot AEW is going to be slightly different. I think it's going to be packaged slicker. And uh, I, I hope that they make changes to, I don't think either show has a particularly great theme song. Uh, so maybe, maybe there's something there. Maybe use, hey, they're willing to pay out those royalty bucks, pay out some royalty bucks for some songs people like at the front of Rampage and the front of Dynamite. Um, but those, the vignettes that they filmed for the preview for Wednesday night's show look really great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing. I don't want to speculate just because I, I don't know enough about Mansuri to have an informed opinion on how they're going to film the show, but I'm just looking forward to a change because AEW, there's a charm to it, but there's also a staleness to the look of the product that I hope they can update. And we know some guys up in Canada who'd probably be up for uh, writing a little Big Bang song to kick off that Dynamite or Rampage. And if you want to see Dynamite, it's Wednesday nights at 8 on TBS. Rampage, Friday nights at 10 on TNT. That's our episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please subscribe, review, and give us a nice five-star rating in the new year. Hey, don't forget to tick our talk. <laughs> We're on TikTok. We're at Turnbuckles Pod. We're also at Turnbuckles Pod on Instagram. And you can find all our episodes on YouTube. New Year, same old us. See ya, Buckleheads. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.